0: You're listening to the Revolution Church podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution dot We are in the third week of our series called "Battle Ready," uh, where we are going verse by verse through Ephesians chapter six, verses ten through twenty, and we're preaching really on something that you've probably all heard of before, called the armor of God. As you can see. Uh, our soldier here is unarmed, okay, and so uh, one of the arms fell off right before service. So, uh, but uh, if you can't see on this side, the left arm is missing, okay. But uh, so they're not a good example. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, we're preaching through. The armor of God. And uh, today we're going to go to that second piece of armor. Last week we talked about the belt of truth. This week we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Before we do that, by way of preface though, I just want to ask some questions in here. How many of you guys drink coffee in here? Raise your hand if you drink coffee. Okay, just about everybody in here. Put the hand raise emoji up online if you're watching online. Uh, how many you guys do what I used to do? all the time, which is you drink your coffee straight black. Raise your hand if you drink straight black. Man, there's quite a few people in here that drink straight black coffee. Well, I'm getting ready to change your life if you drink straight black coffee. See, I used to drink straight black coffee because I'm older. I turn 43 next month, and I remember back in the days when, you know, the variety for creamer was, do you want powdered creamer or do you want the liquid creamer? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I just always drink my coffee black because I really just wanted the caffeine from it. Still do drink it black sometimes, but most of the time I don't because one day I was walking through Food City and I passed the milk on the right and then all of a sudden I get to the coffee creamers and my mind goes because there's like a bajillion different kinds of coffee creamer. Did y'all know this? I'm looking and it's like, see, I never got into all the The Frappuccinos and the Rappuccinos and the Crappuccinos and all that stuff. You know, all the Starbucks. Well, y'all got your drinks or something. Some of y'all do. I don't I just straight black coffee. Well, I'm looking, I'm like, peppermint mocha? What? Italian sweet cream. What? And then I saw one, and this is no joke, y'all. Snickers coffee creamer. So now when I drink my coffee, guess what I put in it? Snickers coffee creamer most of the time I start my day in a diabetic coma with <laughs> Snickers coffee and it's awesome <laughs> I was thinking about that and I was thinking about how when you add creamer to coffee you cannot separate the two If I leave the kitchen and take my coffee with creamer to the den or the living room or the bathroom I don't know why you take it to the bathroom but y'all know what I'm saying You can't separate them. They are combined and together no matter where you take them. Well, today, what we're going to really reiterate to you and try to get you to understand is as we've been through this series, we've tried to get all of us to wake up to the fact that we are in the midst of a spiritual unseen war. And you can have victory in the unseen realm that controls everything in the physical realm, by the way, as a result of the Holy Spirit inside of you if you've been saved. So if you've been saved in here, the Holy Spirit lives in you, God lives in you, and like coffee with creamer, no matter what room you go into, no matter what season of life you're in, no matter uh, where it is you are at, He is with you, and you can win this war as a result of the power of the Spirit and walking in the Spirit. Amen, Rev. Church. Let's read uh, Ephesians chapter 10 through 13 and then let's read the the really short bit, you know a part of the verse that we uh, honed in on last week and then we'll get to the piece of armor that we're going to talk about this week. Ephesians chapter 6 let's start in verse 10. Y'all with me? Say I am. It says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So again, just to reiterate, We're not fighting this battle in our strength. We're fighting it in the power of God. If you try to fight it in your strength, you will lose. It says in verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Paul tells us in the first three verses, we talked about this in week one, that there is a war that is taking place around us in the invisible realm that, again, just to reiterate, controls everything in the physical realm, and that if we stand in the power of God and not our own strength, we can win this war. And he also lets us know, put on the full armor of God, because to fight a spiritual battle... You cannot use worldly weapons. You have to use spiritual weapons. Let's move on to verse 14. Just a real quick review of what we talked about last week. If you haven't watched the first two weeks of this series, I would greatly encourage you to go online and catch up because really all of these kind of run together and they build off each other. So verse 14, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Last week we defined that putting on the belt of truth is really threefold. Number one, it's having character and integrity and living a truthful life and telling the truth personally. Number two, uh, it's living truth according to the Word of God, which is truth for us. Uh, Number three, it is believing in truth incarnate and being saved and knowing truth incarnate, and that is Jesus Christ. Now we get to the B part of this verse, and we get to the piece of armor that we're going to talk about today. Let's read it. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Before we go any further, I feel like we need to do some teaching. So hang with me for about the next five or ten minutes as I give us the definition of what Paul's talking about when he talks about righteousness. Because this is really a two-fold definition that we're going to see, and it can get a little complicated, but I'm going to try to put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that we all understand it. Because in this twofold definition, we see what's known as positional righteousness that we're going to unpack here in just a second. And secondly, there is a practical righteousness that we are to live out. Uh, another way to put it is there's a passive righteousness that when you get saved, you get this form of righteousness, and, and there's nothing you can do to earn it. And then there is an active righteousness that we're working out on a daily basis. Another way to put it is we've got an imputed righteousness and an imparted righteousness. The first form of righteousness that Paul is speaking of is positional righteousness. This is the kind of righteousness that Martin Luther called an alien righteousness because it did not come from ourselves but from outside of ourselves from an alien source. Positional righteousness is a form of righteousness that we cannot produce ourselves. And the reason is, is because we are dead in our sins and we are sinners. This is the form of righteousness that Christ has obtained for us and we can receive positional righteousness through faith and it happens when we get saved. In fact, Christ's righteousness covers our our worldly or our fleshly righteousness that the Bible refers to as filthy rags. The good things we do are even referred to as filthy rags. So even the good things aren't good enough, and so Christ's righteousness covers us. Now what this means is Jesus's righteousness, this positional righteousness, has a direct connection to our salvation. Without Jesus' righteousness covering us, we are not saved. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is going to start to make sense, so just hang with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin, guess who he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 3.23, it's what we call part of the Roman's road. When somebody gets saved, we typically take them through the Roman's road. Uh, Romans 3.22, in other words, not 23, says this. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Speaking about positional righteousness. So even though after we get saved, we're still sinners and we still mess up and we're still not perfect, we are legally righteous in the eyes of God, in other words, uh, we can go to heaven and we're legally righteous as a result of the blood of Jesus. That's how we are justified. In other words, God has credited the righteousness of Christ to our account when Jesus saved us. In other words, what I'm saying is you cannot work your way to being saved and going to heaven. You can't give your way to being saved and going to heaven. Uh, You can't serve your way. You can't do anything to get to heaven and have the righteousness that gets you to heaven and saves you. You can receive it as a gift from God as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. Everybody shake your head if this kind of sorta makes sense. Okay. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The theological term that connects directly to this is the term justification. Maybe you've heard the term justified justification. Uh, It's not a series on FX. It is a term that we use to describe when you get saved, you are then justified As a result of what Jesus did. Some describe justification as it's just as if I never sinned. So you're justified by Jesus. It's just as if I've never sinned. And in the eyes of God, I'm made right. If I could simplify what positional righteousness means, here's the simple definition. And we'll reiterate this here in just a minute and explain it several different ways during this sermon. Positional righteousness, right being the main word in that word, is being right with God. Positionally, you are right with God. The second form of righteousness that Paul is speaking of, though, is called practical righteousness. Practical righteousness is a righteousness that we produce. One theologian put it this way. Practical righteousness is, once you're saved, you have the obligation to pursue what the Bible calls the mind of Christ, or in other words, we do what is right, we try to become more like Jesus. Now, here's the important thing to remember the idea is like James says, faith without works is dead. Like, you're gonna try, you're gonna be different after you get saved. Here's the thing to remember about practical righteousness is everybody following me? Say amen. There's a lot of P words in here, and I'm trying not to get them mixed up. Okay, Uh, practical righteousness flows out of your positional righteousness. So if you're not positionally righteous and saved as a result of Jesus and His righteousness covers you, then you can have absolutely no practical righteousness in your life. Listen to 1 John chapter 2, verse 29. Listen to what it says about practical righteousness, this righteousness that we work out in our day-to-day walk with Jesus. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does, does what is right has been born of him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, great verse. You're going to recognize this verse. We quote it all the time, but we tend to stop halfway through this verse. We need to read the whole thing. Listen to what it says. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Amen, Rev. Church? All truth, all scriptures, God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. Listen to the phrase training in righteousness. In other words, we're working this out. We're training. We're trying to get better at this. We're getting stronger in the Lord. We're working out this righteousness. The idea is Philippians 2 that says this, you'll recognize this passage, therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the idea behind practical righteousness, work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Okay. Simple definition of positional righteousness if it was Being right with God, a very simple definition for practical righteousness, is right living, living right, doing the right things according to what Scripture tells us to do. And let me add this in here as well. It's being the real deal in your righteousness. What I mean is, it's not just looking good on the outside, but on the inside and behind the scenes. Not having righteousness. It's not, in other words, fooling the people that you go to church with and the people you work with. Because here's the thing, as it pertains to spiritual warfare, I guess what I'm saying, don't be a hypocrite with your righteousness, okay? Because as it pertains to spiritual warfare, what we're talking about, you know this, you cannot fool God if you're a hypocrite. You cannot fool God if you're trying to look righteous on the outside, but really behind the scenes you're not. Guess who else you can't fool? The devil and his demons. They know if you are the real deal or not. I ask my kids to clean their room all the time, and usually cleaning the room goes in several stages. Parents in here can relate to this. I usually walk in the first time, and I look, and I go, wow, it looks clean. But then, y'all know what's coming. I open the closet. I look under the bed. I open the drawers and look inside. I, I take their bed sheets off. They got stuffed, stuffed under the bed sheets. You know what I mean? And it looks like it's clean on the outside, but man, when you get in the cracks and you look under the bed and you get in the closet, you realize it's not really what it seems. You know what I'm saying? A lot of Christians walking around. Room looks clean, but when you get into the cracks and crevices and you open up the closet, you look under the bed, you're a mess. So be the real deal. The idea is this, and we're going to learn this today. Jesus didn't come to just make you look right. He came to give you victory over sin and the enemy. And that's what we're going to learn today through this righteousness. Listen to Romans uh, chapter 6. It says this, Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. 2 Timothy chapter two verse twenty-two, flee the evil desires of youth and pursue. Right, it's talking about practical righteousness, not the righteousness Jesus gives us. We're pursuing this righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Let's make a statement, and let's define how we put on our breastplate of righteousness to protect us. We put on our breastplate of righteousness. When we are right with God and living right. Does that make sense to everybody? Simple enough? Two-fold definition. You don't have it on if you're not doing one of these two things. you got to do them both, right? Like we got to be right with God and we're living right. Now what we're going to see today is when it comes to you being right with God and that positional righteousness you have that Jesus has given you, his righteousness, Satan cannot take that away from you, Rev. Church. God has given it to you. And he's the one who gifted it, and nothing can separate you from that righteousness. But boy, when it comes to your practical righteousness, living it every single day, Satan's going to do everything he can to mess that all up in your life. Two things that righteousness leads to in our life that we can learn from the idea of a breastplate that a Roman soldier would wear Number one, righteousness leads to protection. Now, Romans would wear a breastplate, and as you can see, this is kind of like a one-piece molded breastplate. This was actually molded off of my body. You can see right here. I appreciate you laughing. That makes me feel really good. Boost my confidence. Thanks, y'all. But a Roman soldier would have some breastplates that looked like this. Some of them were thick leather leather. Uh, with more like a chain kind of design to it, with pieces that covered the front, covered the back, all the way th- from the neck uh, down to the torso. And uh, as I told you last week, Roman soldiers carried some 70 to 80 pounds of armor, and over 50% of the weight of the armor was found in the breastplate. And here's why. The breastplate protected and was designed to protect the vital organs of the body. If you get swiped on your arm or on your leg, that's one thing. But if your digestive tract, if your kidneys, if your liver, if your heart especially has an arrow go through it or is stabbed through, it most certainly would kill someone. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, one of the most popular verses of Scripture, you'll recognize it, it speaks to this idea of what the breastplate of righteousness protects on us and the vital organs spiritually it protects on us. Listen to what it says. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Now what Satan is trying to do to every single person in here is he's trying to make a break between your positional righteousness, which is the righteousness Jesus gave you, and your practical righteousness that you're working out every day. He wants you in your mind to separate those two things so that your breastplate gets out of whack and one of his flaming arrows can get through and puncture one of the vital parts of your life. See, righteousness, that practical living right righteousness, guards the vital parts of your life. This is what we learn spiritually from the breastplate. When you make wise, holy, righteous and decisions, they protect you from harm. Conversely, and the Bible speaks a lot to this, when you make unrighteous, wrong, foolish, or sinful decisions, it invites the enemy into your life and opens you up for an attack. I can remember when we first started the church Uh, the first two or three years that we started the church uh, we used to give out thousands and thousands of t-shirts every single year that said no perfect people allowed literally five to ten thousand t-shirts a year the first few years and it was kind of like a marketing strategy we have guerrilla marketing where we wanted people to wear them and get the word out uh, about revolution church because we were the new church in town and at any given time you could like walk through walmart back in those days 10 years ago Uh, eight eight to ten years ago, and you would see like five No Perfect People Allowed t-shirts, people walking through Walmart with them on, and so they were everywhere. One day, I was uh, stopping at a gas station, the one right next to gondolas, to get an energy drink because I was going to work out, and I walked up front, and I was paying for my energy drink, and sitting on the counter was one of those papers that has all the mugshots from Crossville. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Those little... Those little papers that are like a quarter, and on the front they've got the mugshots of everybody in Crossville that's been arrested for something. It's like a gossip thing where you go, Ooh, Johnny got arrested last week again, you know what I mean? And as I'm paying for my drink, on the front page of that, I look down and guess what I see? A mugshot of somebody with no perfect people allowed. Now, you may think, oh, my gosh, that's awful. But my thought was we're fulfilling the exact mission Jesus gave us. We're reaching people that are far from God. We weren't in this thing to try to sheep swap with other churches. Most churches, that's their whole strategy, y'all. Hey, get everybody come to our church, and we'll steal all the Christians from other churches. We said, no, 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 we want to reach the down-and-out people that are hurting. And so in my mind, I was like, man, that's awesome. What great advertisement for Revolution Church! People get their mugshots made in these t-shirts, right? Awesome! I went and visited that person that was in that mugshot, And in the first few years of the church, I did just, just about everything. The church grew so fast. And I can remember the first couple of years, I was the one that went to the jail and visited people when they got in trouble, went to the hospitals and all that stuff. I don't do a lot of that now, but uh, I can remember going to the jail several times. And, and on this instance, I went and talked to the young man. He was about 19 years old, I think. And I sat with him with a pane of glass in between us. And he said, Man, I just, I didn't know. Been convicted of a sex crime. Could be a sexual offender probably for the rest of his life. I didn't know. I didn't know she was under 18. She lied to me. She told me she was. And he said this I didn't do anything wrong. And I had to, as a pastor, if I have any integrity, right, I had to look at him and I had to say, hey man, you know I love you. I'm the only pastor in Crossville, Tennessee, probably, that would be sitting about across from you in a jail, especially a church our size, right? So you know I love you. You know I got a heart for you. But I had to look at him and say, listen, bro, you made some bad decisions. You were at a party getting drunk, having sex outside of the context of a heterosexual marriage, with a girl. So the decisions you made leading up to this is what led to where you are now. I feel for you. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. I'm pulling for you. But don't you dare blame God because you made unwise, unrighteous decisions. Sat across from another guy in the jail. He'd gotten a bar fight, beat a guy half to death. Same thing. He hit me first, man. I didn't do anything. I said, hey, man, you know, I love you. I'm here for you. I'm with you. But, man, you were at a bar at 2 in the morning. You you blew way over the limit. There are no small decisions, y'all. That's the idea here. You're in a bad marriage. Now, listen. There are times when you are completely innocent. A child gets molested. They did nothing wrong, right? But the majority of the time in our lives, we have a part in the things that happen to us. You're in a bad marriage, and you're blaming him or you're blaming her. Well, let's take an inventory. Okay. Did you live together before you were married? Did you have sex before you were married? Is he or she even a believer and you're unequally yoked and you made the decision to marry them even though you know they don't love Jesus? Come on, don't blame God for that. Don't play the victim for that. Oh, our finances, we just can't get ahead. I don't know how to, ho, 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 ho. ho. Before you start blaming your employer and blaming everybody else that's not helping you, let's go back and let's let's just do a track record of how good a steward you were with what God has given you. Does this make sense to everybody? Say amen. It gets real quiet during these sermons. Nobody wants to preach on the breastplate of right. We love truth, right? We love truth. It gets us on our soapbox. But righteousness is like, let's not talk about this. It's easy preaching, hard living, right? Because the majority of the time, the things that happen, at least in some part, are a result of the decisions that we make. I want you to listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. In everything you do, well, Josh, does that mean when I'm buying deodorant at Target? I'm just telling you. The Bible says, in everything you do, put God first. And what's the result of that? He will direct and crown your efforts with success. This is why Colossians chapter 3, verse 2 says, Set your mind on things above. In other words... You make the decisions in your life based off of what heaven says. What does God think about this? What did we talk about last week with the belt of truth? We gave y'all a bracelet that said WWJD. In other words, WWJD. What would Jesus do in every single decision in our lives? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 19, listen to this. Truly the righteous attain life, but whoever pursues evil finds death. I was talking to my son about my sermon yesterday and he reminded me of something that the great theologian Dr. Seuss said (laughs) through the Lorax. The Lorax said something to the effect of the way a tree falls is based on the way it leans. Whatever way you're leaning, that's what's going to make you fall. See, carnal Christians live in the flesh They've got a break between their positional righteousness and their practical righteousness. They live in the flesh, constant f- sinful behavior, not walking in the spirit that they take everywhere with them, and they become an easy target for the enemy. What I'm saying is, if you're experiencing experiencing spiritual warfare, you might need to take inventory in your life and clean your life up. You might need to say, am I really living a righteous life? Am I living right? Am I living according to the belt of truth? See how these tie together? Keeps your breastplate from flopping around like we talked about last week. The truth of God's Word. I can remember one time growing up, I grew up as a teenager uh, in a single mom household. She worked about 60, 70 hours a week and And, uh, you know, we we weren't the best at keeping the house clean because it was just me and my sister and we were so young, right, with not an adult in the house a lot of the times. And I can remember one night my mom was home and we were moving some stuff around in the house. And I picked a box up and underneath this box there was something that was alive. And it was not a roach and it was not a tiny little mouse. It was a full-size rat. Tail and all, y'all. I remember to this day it was dark colored. It was in the corner. Well, that night we went out and got rat traps. And we ended up catching that one rat. I can't remember if my cat got it or the rat trap got it. But guess what else we did that night? We went through the whole house making sure there was no garbage and that the house was completely clean. Because we knew if you just get a rat trap to catch one trap, it doesn't matter. Because if you don't make sure there's not garbage in the house that attracts a whole bunch of other rats, it doesn't do anything. Does this make sense to everybody? In your life. If you don't clean up, hey, you can come to church, get an emotional high. You can come in here and get fired up for a day or two. You you can do something, make a decision that gets you by for a few days. But until you clean the garbage up in your life, you're going to attract rats. You're going to attract attacks from the enemy. So live right according to truth. See, truth is the standard, and righteousness is working that standard out. If you've got a stronghold of lying in here, listen to me. You got to stop, or it will destroy you. You can't quit drinking. You're an alcoholic, functional. You have to quit. Or the enemy will use it to destroy you. You're having sex outside of marriage, dating an unbeliever. You've got to stop. It's going to follow you your whole life and it will destroy. This is so incredibly important, Rev. Church. And the way you stop, we're giving you the tools to do that. I can't wait till we get to the shield of faith. This is where the church comes in. You can go to a doctor, you can go to 10-step programs, you can do all that stuff, get over addictions. Hey, that's great, that's wonderful. But you better have people around you that help you know truth and put on your breastplate of righteousness, call you out, hold you accountable, get to the shield of faith. We're going to talk about sharing each other's faith, how they would use the shield. I'm not going to preach my sermon. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Try not to get ahead. But you got to get some believers around you. and You may have to borrow their shield and let it protect you for a little while if you're trying to break something. Listen to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 6. Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Righteousness leads to protection. Number two, righteousness leads to peace. A Roman soldier would absolutely never go into battle without their breastplate protecting their vital organs. Never. So with the breastplate came some some sense of security. It may not take a whole lot of offensive weapons, They may forget this or forget that, but they would never forget their breastplate that protected them and as a result gives them peace. I was thinking about our modern day version of a breastplate. And the modern day version of a breastplate is, of course, like a Kevlar vest uh, that police officers or soldiers would wear. And shout out to the Uh, Sheriff's Department, they let us borrow a lot of the things that we're using for this series. My brother, uh, uh, Rick Lanzalotta, who let me borrow some of this stuff. But they would would give you a Kevlar vest like this. And they're very important if you're on the SWAT team or you're an officer or you're a soldier. Because, again, it protects the vital parts of your life. Think about this. Just wearing this gives me absolutely no authority to go out into this community and fight drug dealers, bust into people's houses, and take on the enemies that are against us in this town. Like if I busted into your house and said, I'm wearing a a vest, you'd shoot me. But see, it all changes when you put this on the front. What gives the SWAT team the authority and officers the authority is not who they are. It's the authority that is over them. And this is what allows them to go out and fight the drug dealers and the criminals and bust into people's houses and SWAT houses. You're gonna hear more about this next week when we talk about the shoes of peace and do not miss. If you gotta go out of town for Thanksgiving, cancel your plans right now, okay? (laughs) Stop, don't go, be here next time, I'm telling you. We got baptism, we're baptizing people and we're gonna talk about the shoes of peace. You're gonna hear more about this. A lot of the things we're talking about in this series are reiterated for good reason. When you're fighting, when you're fighting this spiritual war, you're not fighting it because of who you are. You're fighting it under the authority that's stamped on your breastplate that came from Jesus. Make sense, Rev. Church? I want you to listen. Listen. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 6. Blessings crown the head of the righteous. Anybody want to be blessed in here? I do. Some of y'all, I don't know. Sometimes the way we live, sometimes the way I live, it's kind of like I'm asking God for a cup of wrath. I don't know. You know what I mean? Blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. In week number one, We talked about how the word stand or stand firm appears four times in these ten verses that we're going over during these two months. And the Greek word for stand is histemi, H-I-S-T-E-M-I. And a better translation is to stand firm. Four different times it's used in this passage. And in week one, we gave the word picture of a weatherman that's trying to stand in the middle of a hurricane with 150 miles and mile an hour winds and how what Paul was saying was even when the storms of life hit you and you figuratively feel like there's 150, 200 mile per hour winds blowing you all around, when we stand in the power of God with our armor on, we can stand. Listen to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 25 as that pertains to the breastplate of righteousness. When the storm has swept by, the wicked are gone, but the righteous stand firm forever. What a verse of scripture. Yesterday was a bad day for UT football. It was awful. There's a lot of things I want to say, but I'm not going to say them. It was bad, though. It was rough. So the game this year that I'm going to remember the most, that stands out the most to me, What game is it, y'all? Alabama. Alabama. Sorry, Alabama fans. What an incredible game it was. It was great, right? Last-minute field goal, all that stuff. But the thing that I noticed in that game, the thing that stood out to me the most, was the grit and the determination of players. And I noticed it from one thing that happened that maybe you didn't even know about. There's a player on the team that did something that got caught on TV that I have now taken a picture of it and made it the screensaver on my phone. Now, before I show you this picture, just know it's really gross. So if you got a weak stomach, don't look at it. Like nobody's like missing their arm or anything. You know what I'm saying? Like the, like our bro here. But uh, but 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 it is kind of gross. And here's the picture. Here's the picture. You guys go ahead and put that up. There it is right there. Can y'all see that? That's number 53. I believe his number is 53. Jeremiah Crawford. I went and followed him on Instagram after this because I was like, that guy's awesome because. Because right here in this instance, if you actually watch, and that's the actual screenshot of my phone. Okay, y'all, that's, the, that's on the front of my phone. Um, he's standing there, and you know our offense just goes, goes, and goes, and goes. He throws up. He looks at the defensive lineman and shakes his head like this, like, yeah, baby, I'm puking and coming at you. And you can see, no, seriously, go watch it. You see the defensive lineman go, oh, God, what, what? This guy's crazy. (laughs) He's going to block me? This guy's nuts. I put this picture as the screensaver on my phone at the beginning of this series because, you know, if y'all aren't preachers, you don't understand, like preaching's hard enough and there's all kinds of spiritual warfare, but when you're exposing the enemy during a two-month series where you're teaching your church about spiritual warfare and people are finding freedom and getting saved and all kinds of cool stuff is happening, the enemy gets PO'd. And so ever since the week before, the very first week, man, the spiritual warfare has ramped up a notch. All hell's been breaking loose. It's just crazy gossip and stuff in my life. My my life is crazy. My life is not my wife. My life is crazy. I didn't say wife. Life. Let me reiterate that. My life is just crazy. Uh, I mean, I'm not dying or nothing like that, but it's just just crazy, the spiritual warfare that goes on. I put that on the front of my screen to remind myself I'm not going to quit during this series. Like I'm going to have to be dead and in a coffin for me not to preach this series and teach y'all about spiritual warfare. Because if a 350-pound lineman can throw up and keep playing the game and go on to win the biggest game of the year, then I can make it through this series. You can make it through the wars and the battles in your life as a result of the righteousness of Christ that covers you when you stand in His power. Amen, Rev. Church. That's what it's about, that grit, that determination. Let's review how to maximize the breastplate of righteousness. How to maximize the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to say it in a different way now, and I'm, I'm going to point something out that is of the utmost importance. How do we maximize the breastplate of righteousness? Number one, you get right with God through Jesus you hadn't listened to nothing else I've said today, listen to this part. Number one, you get right with God through Jesus. Number two, you live right according to Scripture. Now, here's the thing I'll tell you. The order that I've just given you, leave that up there, guys. The order that I've just given you is the most important thing about what we're going to talk about today. First, you get right with God through Jesus, then you you live right according to Scripture. The reason I say this is because most people that attend churches today and most people outside the church believe that it happens in reverse order. Some of you guys have tried to fix what you're doing on the outside before you fixed what's going on on the inside. Some of you guys have, have tried to transform your flesh and and transform your mind without first transforming your heart and your spirit. The order is very important. First, you get saved, and then the power of the Holy Spirit that you take everywhere with you leads you to be righteous and to live right according to the Word of God. 1 John chapter 1 puts it this way. Y'all with me? Say, I am. Says this. Listen to this. This is very important. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Listen to verse 6. Listen. This is what some people have been through. Some of y'all watching online right now, this is what you're doing, okay? If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie. And do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And listen to this. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And here comes that belt of truth again. You see how this ties together? And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And listen to this phrase, purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. To put it simply, some of you guys need to get saved. You're never going to fix the things that are happening to you on the outside if you don't deal with the sin you have going on on the inside. You're never going to be able to battle the pressures and the depression and the pain and the, the attacks that are coming from the enemy on the outside if you first don't deal with what's going on on the inside to get saved first before you can fight a spiritual war. You have to have a positional righteousness that covers you the breastplate of righteousness and protects you from Jesus before you could ever have a practical day-to-day righteousness that flows out of the positional righteousness. We're going to do something we haven't done in a long time And what we're going to do is we're going to lead a prayer of salvation. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We don't do this all the time at Rev. Church. And the reason is, is because we don't believe in uh, altar call religion. Altar calls aren't bad. We don't believe in decisionism is what it's called. Where some of y'all think that like, if you come in here and you pray a prayer and go to the altar, it's going to give you a quick fix to all the problems in your life. That's not what this is. I am not telling you right now, that if you put your trust in Christ and get saved, it is going to be a quick fix for everything in your life. But I am telling you right now that if you, by faith, put your trust in Jesus, you will have peace in spite of all the things that are wrong in your life right now. You will never walk alone again. The creamer with the coffee is going to go with you everywhere so that you can walk in the Spirit and fight this battle. If you need Jesus in here, if you need to get saved, if you need Christ. Now, I'm not saying if you need to go to church. If you need to be good, if you need to to fix something. I'm saying, do you need Christ? Have you ever really, truly gotten saved? Or is Jesus just religion and good works to you? I was meeting with a, with a friend of mine, nobody looking around, just me. I was meeting with a friend of mine that almost died a month ago in a horrible accident. A miracle that he's here. You'll hear his story once. And I sat with him for like three hours this weekend and heard him say over and over and over, I just want people to know. He just got saved like six months ago. I just want people to know you got to have a relationship. You got to have a relationship with Jesus. You got to have a relationship with Jesus. You got to have a relationship. That's what I want people to know. I never would have made it through this without a relationship. If this had happened a year ago instead of now after I've gotten saved, it'd be totally different. You got to have a relationship with Christ. Relationship with Christ. That's what this is. It's starting your relationship with Christ. So if you need that, I want you to repeat this prayer after me and feel free to to say this prayer in your mind silently. That's fine. This is not about, uh, you know, everybody seeing you pray this prayer. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or fill a card out. A public declaration comes through baptism, which the Lord will lead you to do later when you'll go public with your faith. But right now, you're doing business with God. This is between you and Him. Just say this prayer. Put it in your own words. Lord, I'm a broken mess. And right now, I realize I'm in desperate need of a Savior. I cannot save myself because I can't get it straight. No matter how hard I try, I fail. I'm broken. And I don't want to do things my way anymore. I can't do this by myself anymore. right now, I commit to doing the best I can to do things your way. I surrender my life, and I give everything to you. I'm tired of riding the fence and getting bit on both legs. I'm going all in. I give everything to you. My family, my marriage, my money my business, my life. I give everything to you. Help me become the person you want me to be. I believe Jesus died for my sins, for my mess-ups, for my mistakes. and I believe he rose from the dead, defeating death, giving me victory over death, hell, and the grave. I pray right now that you would save me, Jesus. In Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for every single person that's under the sound of my voice. I pray, God, that every single person that is in this room and every single person that is watching online is positionally right with God. God, from that, I pray that we are different and that the way that positional righteousness plays out in our lives practically is a beautiful thing that draws more people to you and changes lives. Be with us this week. Lead us and guide us. I pray we walk in the Spirit In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Love you guys. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.